W Hustle, the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. to all the PWCites. What is going on there to all the hustleites out there on the Podbeam streams? This is a sneak peek. Yes, this is the return of something that I haven't done in a while. And you know what? It's like riding a bike. Do I have the legs for it? Hell yeah, I do. And welcome. If you've never heard of it before, you are going to be hearing it for the for the time being and for the weeks and months to come because it is back. It is infamous and yet it is so magnanimous and yet it is also so glorious. It is the professor's perspective back in your ear holes here on the Pro Wrestling Coalition Networks, here on the PWS Networks at Pybeam.com. And I am that man, the Professor Chabel Cruz, the only objective man in the IWC, YWC, the only objective man in this podcast punditry, here to give you a perspective that does not, you know, hold no punches, that is always going to give it to you right down the middle, daddy, just like Bill Alfonso has always said. This is not pro-WWE, this is not pro-AEW, this is not pro-New Japan, pro-Impact, or none of that. This is the professor's perspective. Because a lot of people out there on the podcast, punditry circuit, you know, you can hear it in their voices. You can hear some disdains for certain organizations. You can hear them shill for other organizations. You don't get that with the professor. While some people accuse the professor of being called a WWE shill. No, 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 no. I calls it likes I sees it. And for the PWCIs out here on the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network, I am giving you a sneak peek at what the professor's perspective is all about. I am giving you just a little sampling. Think of it like a like a early Thanksgiving feast. Think of it like an early Christmas present. What I promised Jimmy T. What I promised Chris Hambones. What I promised all the hustleites. Who remembers the professor's perspective. You will get it right here or right now. And with that, let's start this sneak preview. Let's call it episode 1A. Because I don't know where we're going to go with this. But you know what? The professor's perspective is always about the news of certain things going on in the world of professional wrestling. And for this sneak peek of the professor's perspective, I want to at least take a little bit 
you know, a couple of days back. I want to talk about two little things here to give you, to keep your mouth wet, so to speak. To keep the appetite moist for you wanting more of the perspective. So let's talk about the first thing that has happened in the world of professional wrestling. And we have to go with the WWE. The latest round of these WWE releases. And I don't need to go into detail about who is who, you know, who got released and all that stuff. But I will talk about a certain couple of people here that were released that might have been a shock to some people. But then, you know, if you look at it from the eyes of corporate America, if you look at it from the eyes of the of the employer, not the employee, I'm not here to say I'm taking their side. But you can understand what is going on and why they had to do their things. So let's go from the corporate perspective, so to speak. Now, the WWE has been affected in their business operations since the start of the COVID pandemic. You know, a lot of people always want to talk about, you know, their quarterly reports. They want to always, you know... The dirt sheets always talk about how much WWE has made, the profit margins and all this stuff. What they made in comparison from, like, let's say 2020 to 2020 wonder. But there is a little caveat to that. And that's where the releases come into play. Because from 2019 to 2021, you know, the WWE has let go in excess of a hundred or so people and change whether it's wrestlers referees people in the corporate offices that number has expanded over a hundred strong and you know what i'm not here to you know to 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 make fun of people who losing their job and their livelihoods we always hope that people bounce back rebound you know go to other bigger better ventures and all that stuff But you know what? The WWE has been affected because of the COVID pandemic. They have been affected because of the emergence and the existence of all elite wrestling. Now, before the COVID pandemic, before all elite wrestling in 2019, let's remember WWE's business operations. Let's remember the, you know, the ventures that WWE was going into. Now, if we remember just like, We could start even by 2014. Now, let's really think about this because now you will understand why a lot of people have been released in such a short amount of time. Now, remember in 2014, what happened in, in the business ventures of WWE? They introduced something to the masses. They introduced something to the supposed WWE universe, and that was the WWE Network. It was Vince McMahon's plan to like make Netflix for wrestling fans, you could say. To go into the con to the digital content platforms. Because let me just say it like this: digital content, digital streaming is like cryptocurrency to a lot of people right now. You know, a lot of people don't understand this, and a lot of people like to put a bottom line into Digital content. But the valuation of digital content has made WWE, you know, the brand itself exponentially higher in terms of valuations. 
whether it's YouTube, whether it's the television deals that they have all around the world, it is the valuation of digital content. This is what WWE sells to its business partners. This is what WWE uses to sell for sponsorships, to sell for marketing partnerships and all that stuff. If you don't understand the digital content, really look into that venture. But anyway, I don't want to veer off a little bit. But from 2014, where they were going with WWE Network, and think about this. A lot of people were upset at WWE in the mid-2010s when they were signing a lot of people for the NXT brands. They were, you know, they were blaming WWE for killing the British wrestling scene. And the results are there because there is the NXT UK brand so to speak. But let's talk about NXT. Remember, in the mid-2010s, there was a plan for the expansion of WWE thanks to NXT. They were going to do NXT Mexico. They were going to do NXT Canada. They were going to do NXT China, NXT Japan. You get that. But guess what, people? That's costly. The expenditures are so costly that they were losing money year after year. People don't want to talk about that. From 2014 to 20, let's say 2019, in that five-year span, they were losing money thanks to, you know, shifting their operating income towards the WWE Network. They were losing money every year thanks to, the, to Triple H's baby, so to speak, NXT, touring and all that stuff. It was a money loser. It's there in the quarterly reports if y'all really look at it. So after all these years of losing money in certain ventures, all the people want to talk about is the profit margins. Or people want to talk about, you know, what was different between, you know, you know, from like, let's say 2015 to 2016, how WWE made maybe, let's say, 200 million in comparison to 199. Yeah, but think about that number. You made $1 million more. That's not a big jump. In terms of stockholders, that's not a big jump in terms of profit margins. It is, it is a net positive, but you get where I'm going with it. The expenditures were so insurmountable that they were, it, it was going to catch up to them no matter what. So, you know, by the time we get to 2019, you have to understand all this money losses, all these expenditures, the touring. Remember, they were not selling out, you could say. There was low attendance when they were touring across the country. So what happened was a godsend with the COVID pandemic. They were forced to stop the touring. In a sense, they were in a stationary place for an exorbitant amount of time so they can make a good profit for the year of 2020. And think about that. Because of what happened with with COVID pan, with the COVID pandemic, they can make a little bit of a, of a profit margin thanks to their television deals. But what happens is because of no touring, because of what they had to say, they were saving because they didn't have to take the production trucks across the country and across the world. But with that being said, they were going to have to make some budget cuts no matter what. So since 2019, you know, they used to do a lot of cuts every, 
you know, a month after WrestleMania. It was that budget cut day. It was nothing new. But guess what? WWE and the implementation of the Nick Khan regime. This man. Call him a, a shrewd businessman. Call him a tyrant. Call him what you want. But this man hired him for one purpose and one purpose only. And that was to slash costs. And that was not to put the WWE in the red and make the cuts that were necessary. So Nick Khan is doing what he's been he's being paid to do. He's got stockholder shares of WWE and he's earning it. Probably in Vince McMahon's eyes. But in the process, he has, WWE has let go a lot of talent. So I'm not going to go into, you know, I'm not going to go into a three-year spring of all the releases. But let's at least talk about a couple of releases that has just happened recently. Now, again, do I validate these releases? I'm not validating them. But I want you to, you know, there's a hindsight to a lot of things. Let's look at one example of that. And that's the man that, that has been called Bearcat Keith Lee. Now, for all the IWC, YWC people out there, they're already saying that Mr. McMahon is, you know, past his prime. He's out of touch, out of, you know, he has, he's stuck in the 70s, maybe the 80s or whatever. Keith Lee, the limited, limitless one, you know, had all the potential in the world. But you know what? Here's where WWE, Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, and Bruce Pritchard are looking at this. And there's only one factor. And I'm not saying I, I agree with it, but I understand it. Now, Keith Lee, why would you keep him on the payroll if he is a health risk? And again, let me just explain myself because I'm not validating what Vince McMahon did. But I want to at least say this. Keith Lee battled COVID and battled COVID complications. Now, in the scheme of things, he should be 100% healthy and all that stuff. And God bless him. I'm glad he is back. I'm glad he's healthy. But I think from a corporate standpoint... It was, a, it was a valid cut in Vince McMahon's eyes for one reason and one reason only. Can I push a man who could suffer from lingering COVID complications? Now, there are, there are reports of people suffering long-term COVID after effects. So what if Keith Lee, hypothetically, who was going to be on the Raw brand, would have challenged Big E for the title? What if that push was going to happen, like, let's say, Raw Rumble? But then Keith Lee was not feeling good, you know, when he's torn across the country. And then you got to put up, he's got to be put on the sidelines. That is something. You cannot start, stop, start, stop a push. And that's what probably validated Keith Lee getting cut. And again, I'm not, I'm not validating it. I'm understanding it, and I understand from the, from the side of corporate America on this one. I'm, I'm sure Keith Lee will be on the independent seats, maybe even AEW, to prove a lot of people wrong. 
Just like Daniel Bryan's proving Vince McMahon wrong that he can still go at a pace that he's comfortable with. It's the same thing that will happen for Keith Lee. But you know what? I think Keith Lee going to AEW will be a, a less strain on his health than still being on the WWE payroll, you know, wrestling maybe four days out of the week in different cities, putting his, you know, life on the line, so to speak. So I, I wish Keith Lee the best of luck, you know, maybe in AEW, maybe in Impact Wrestling, but that's where he really needs to be anyway. And then let's go with the other one. That, you know, the funny thing is, again, the IWC, YWC says that, that w, you know, Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are out of touch. And his name is Karrion Cross, or really, Killer Cross. Now, Killer Cross is a funny one here because, you know, the professor did see Killer Cross in, in his youngum days, you could say. I saw the untapped potential of Killer Cross years before anybody, especially in the PW Hustle crew. I saw him in Las Vegas for the organization that never became that never came to fruition in Global Force Wrestling. Jeff Jarrett had eyes on this guy. Just like Jeff Jarrett had eyes on AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Bobby Roode when he put TNA on the map. When if Global Force was going to be on the map, you knew I knew that Killer Cross was one of those let's say pillars that was going to be on the Global Force organization, but it never came to pass. But the funny thing about Killer Cross and the validation of him being cut. I don't know how old he is, but I think he's in his mid-30s. But that's, that's neither here nor there. I, I'm not into this age thing right now with WWE. I kind of disagree with that one. That's kind of stupid. If you can go, you can go. And medicine, you know, sports medicine today can make a guy in his, you know, in his late 30s to early 40s, technically in, in, the, in the world of professional wrestling, be at their prime. But again, that's another story for another day. But I want to go back to Karrion Cross, And the reason why the professor has no problem with Karrion Cross or Killer Cross being cut from WWE is one thing. He was doomed after Adam Cole burying him on TV. Oh, we don't want to, Do we want to talk about that, PWCites? Do we want to talk about that, Hustleites? I mean, people keep talking about the, the gear that he was wearing and the gimmicks that were being changed. But you know what the professor wants to focus on? Adam Cole ruined him. And he ruined him for the IWC, YWC. But people don't want to talk about that. Adam Cole, on national TV, said that he was all about the entrance and all about the, the politics that everybody wanted to you know, push him to the moon. He basically put out all his weaknesses on national television and exploited Karrion Cross for, you know, for being, you know, the fake that he is, you could say, in Adam Cole's eyes. And you know what that promo did? It put a lot of doubt in a lot of IWC, YWC people's, you know, eyes. And it doesn't matter. 
because after all those main events that somehow people don't watch, but then they were really like, you know, they were really paying attention to Karrion Cross's main event matches, and they were noticing there was no Scarlet, no nothing. There was no Scarlet. The the mu the the entrance music was you know very humdrum. He was everything was taken away from him and all that stuff. But again, he was destroyed by Adam Cole, and it didn't matter all the all the shortcomings that were happening. After the fact, he was he was going to be pushed to the moon regardless before that promo. After the promo, everything just came crumbling down. Now, whether he has an attitude backstage, that's that's again a he said, she said type of uh, situation. But if it is having an attitude, you know, he's not alone in this. I think, again, when it comes to the IWC, YWC, when it comes to the gener- this generations of wrestlers and wrestling fans, you know, people having an attitude and people, you know, using social media in certain instances to gr- air out the grievances. You know, this is what, what Jim Cornette always talks about. This is what, you know, Dutch Mantel would talk about. This is what the professor keeps talking about. The nuances of professional wrestling, trying to keep certain things, you know, from the fans. Sometimes the fans don't need to interject certain things that are going on within the business. You realize if Twitter was around back in, you know, back in the 80s when the four horsemen were running strong. You know how many people would have been complaining and then revolting against the against the four horsemen because of they were stealing the spotlight from many people. You understand what fans interjecting their own opinions does to professional wrestling? Social media is the cancer of professional wrestling. This is also what brings down professional wrestling in terms of viewerships, in terms of fandom and all that stuff. Because there's a lot of know-it-alls. And the professor, hey, I'm a know-it-all myself too. But you know what? I'm a realist. Am I part of the problem? I could be, because I'm in- interjecting my opinion too. But as far as carrying across his attitude, supposedly, I could see it. I could see that he was pissed off by Adam Cole's uh, promo. I can see that maybe, you know, after that promo, he was, he was going backstage, talking to Triple H, talking to Shawn Michaels, trying to play politics. But you know what? You can't play politics against someone that Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels liked too. So he was already doomed to fail. And he got he got exposed and he had to be sacrificed. Just like his girl Scarlett was sacrificed too. And what's gonna happen to them? You know what? If I was carrying cross, if I was Scarlett, I'd go back to Mexico, triple A, they can be a package deal. Or if you want to stay in America, I know he has some. He had a shaky relationship with Impact Wrestling and Anthem. I would, I would, you know, I think Court Bauer and MLW should pick up that phone and call both of them because you know what? Azteca Underground, Carrion Cross, Killer Cross, and Scarlet, and then you got Mil Muertes and uh, Carly Perez. 
that would be something. That's that would be some interesting MLW matches over there. Or Cross versus Jacob Fatu. Cross versus Hammerstone. I don't know, Hustleites. I don't know, PWCites. But you know what? I think Cross and MLW is a match made in heaven, in the professor's humble opinion. And one more release before we get to the to the other part of this professor's perspective. I'm going to talk about Nia Jax. Now, this one is more about karma for the fans and not about Nia Jax. Now, if Nia Jax has a stance about, you know, not wanting to take the vaccine shot, you know what? She's an American. That's her right. But WWE is a corporation, and they have their right to impose the mandate that is necessary for them to keep their business going. And for being a business that tours across the country, and for being a business that tours around the world, you got to take a shot so you can get out of the country. You got to take a shot so this way, you know, you can go from, you know, America to United Kingdom, America to China, America to Japan, America to Canada, America to Mexico. WWE's going across the world. Little little bit here and there. And if Nia Jax does not want to be vaxxed and not, you know, be a, let's say, a publicity, a publicity, a public relations ambassador for the WWE in terms of not, not only wrestling, but making television appearances all across the world, then what good are you for? You're no different than anybody else. So in that instance... She deserves to get released if she does not want to be vaxxed. But for fans who kept going after Nia Jax for being, you know, very stiff in the ring, for being very reckless in the ring, hurting people like Charlotte, Alexa Bliss. I think she hurt Ronda Rousey. I think she even hurt a, maybe a, what was her name? What, whoever. Every woman's wrestling WWE, whoever faced Nia Jax, came back a little bit hurt and a little bit worse for wear. And they, they, she was a staple of WWE botches on Twitter. So if they let her go and she was reckless from jump, why do you all care now? That's almost like karma too. Ain't no big thing. Now, where, now, Nia Jax, where can she go? Well, first of all, if she can't take that name with her, I, don't, I see people would say AEW, so it would be Nia Jax against Nyla Rose. But I think she would be more, uh, it would be more productive for her to go to Impact Wrestling. I think they need Nia Jax to rule that organization in Impact, to build that legacy of a knockout. Nia Jax would be perfect for Impact Wrestling. That's just an opinion from the professor himself. And now, before we, you know, close out this sneak preview of the professor's perspective here on the PwC Networks, I want to talk about the ratings. You know, the ratings, you know, everybody in the IWC, YWC, somehow, some way, Feels like they have worked at a television network and they know the ratings backwards and forwards. 
But you know what the funny thing is? You only know the ratings or you only spin the ratings to fit your narrative. Whether you're a WWE shill or an AEW shill. And that's really where I'm going with this. Now, in terms of ratings, I'm going to try to abbreviate it because, you know, when the professor's perspective will be, you know, going full, full steam ahead, so to speak, I'll talk about the ratings a little bit more in depth. But I just want to say one thing here. You can ask Billy Ray Valentine. You can ask 8-Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city. Before AEW was a thing, the professor was talking about the demos before the demos were actually a thing. Just like I said, Ring of Honor was a bitch boy jobber promotion. The professor was talking about those demos first. And the reason I talked about the demos, and I only abbreviated this once, before AEW was a thing, Monday Night Raw, and you could check the stats, has been, Top 10 in the demos consistently for the past 20 years, PWCites. The past 20 years, Hustleites. Now, remember I'm saying demos, top 10 in demos. I have not said they have been the top 10 show of the week. I have never said that Raw was the top 10 show of the night because sometimes it was. Most times it has never been. And it hasn't been for the last 20 years. So with that being said, PWCites, you got to understand the demo argument is very convoluted and complicated when you talk about dynamite. Demos is a key thing in terms of advertisement, in terms of sponsorships, in terms of network valuations. For shows. But. You still need total viewerships. To increase the valuation. Of the show. So with Raw always having maybe one point. You know averaging 1.5 million viewers and up. You can then make a better valuation of the show itself. When it comes to the demos. Now, in terms of dynamite, the demos, hey, they are top 10 every Wednesday since its inception. And Rampage, it's a top 10 demo grabber too. But you know what the funny thing is? In terms of valuation of the show, it's a smaller metric to measure. When... Dynamite has 800,000 or 900,000 viewers for Wednesday and a top 10 demo. In comparison to, let's say, NBA, who can draw 2 million viewers on a Wednesday night game and have a higher demo. You see where I'm going with? The valuation is different. Measure, the, the metric measuring of a total viewership of AEW is way different with a smaller total viewership. Again, it's so convoluted and complicated. But I just want to point that out before we even talk, before we even get into like, you know, head to heads and all this stuff. We're not even there yet. But let's just say this in closing demos are measured daily. 
not weekly. So for anybody who uses the dirt sheets to talk about the difference between dynamite ratings and raw ratings, it's completely unfounded and it's really stupid on your part to even use that. And with that, class is dismissed on this sneak peek of the professor's perspective here on the PwC Networks, here at the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network at Pawbeam.com. And of course, subscribe to my network at the PWSO Networks at Pawbeam.com, where you can always hear the nostalgic machine that is known as the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. The PWR Podcast with myself and Tommy Wonder. And if you want to, you know, talk with the professor, leave comments for the professor's perspective. Leave, like, little insights that you want me to talk about on the professor's perspective. Hit up my Twitter at PWHustleProf. That's PWHustleProf. And with that, I just want to say good night, and I will see you next time here. The professor's perspective. See you later, PWCI.